0: Episode number two. Welcome to the Guitar Smarts podcast. Thanks for downloading. So last week we spoke about inexpensive equipment. This week is very much part two to that conversation. Uh, and we talk about our thoughts on pedals that we like. Along with that, we're going to give our thoughts on maintaining a simple rig for gigging and the freedom that a simple rig gives you. And Kieran makes a controversial confession about the famous Ibanez tube screener. Now, before we get on with it, why not do the following three things? Subscribe to this podcast in your favourite podcast app so you never miss a show. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guitar smarts. And like us on Instagram at, at guitar underscore smarts. Right, let's get on with it. Okay,
1: so uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about pedals and cheap pedals today and stuff that that has surprised us, stuff that has underwhelmed us, stuff that we keep in our rig today and and still love, and even though it's relatively inexpensive. What's the best inexpensive pedal that you own? Oh,
0: Definitely the best one that I own at the moment is the Spark Boost, which I did mention the last time. Oh, the thing I love about that one is its simplicity, right? It's just a just a single single knob boost pedal. No it's, no, it's not a drive pedal, it's not an EQ pedal or anything, it's just a kind of a transparent boost pedal. There's plenty of gain in it, it's really good out of other pedals. You know, if you've got a drive pedal that you're just using to add more gain, it's really good after that to just give you a like a master volume on your board for increasing things. I don't really need it like that now because I've got this orange Terra stamp Amp, which has actually got two master volume settings that you can select from a pedal. So if I just want a general volume boost, I can use that. Although I haven't gigged it yet because I got it this year and 2020 being what it is, I haven't had the chance to gig it. But um, I would love that Spark Boost pedal specifically because as well, it's got this momentary feature in it where I can just lean on it to get a boost. And if you lean on it for more than a, a second, then when you take your foot back off of it, it, it turns off. So you don't have to kind of click and click quickly again if you just want to boost for a, a little riff. You mentioned like Johnny Be Good, you know, like if you're yeah. the only guitarist in the band and you're punctuating those little riffs in the chorus as well as doing the rhythm playing, yeah. it's good to be able to just lean on it for that second and not have to click it twice, you know. Yeah. So I like I mean, the usability I've,
1: of that. I, I think that's a really great feature, and I've I've, I've watched guitarists. Uh, Joe Bonamassa is a very good one at this. There's plenty plenty of guitarists that are that are, that are brilliant at riding the volume pop as they're playing right and and they almost do it so quickly that you you don't notice it but if you actually look at their playing and they do it not just from a tone perspective but also to be able to cut through the mix at different points or just add dynamics to their to their tone throughout the duration of a song and you know play with different shades of light and dark throughout the, the song that they're, they're, they're constantly riding the the volume part and to some extent the tone yes. pots, right to, to to do that and, and i think yeah. that's that's genius and i've practiced it and i'm getting better at doing it and being more comfortable doing it but certainly for a number of years even when gigging it was never something i really felt comfortable doing because i hadn't either because the pots and the guitar that i was using at the time weren't um sensitive enough or or i hadn't spent enough time finding where that sweet spot was on the pot to be able to to Mm -hmm. to, you know boost and cut as i needed to Mm -hmm. and because it felt just so much more Easier to just step on a pedal in front of me to boost and step off it to, yeah. to, to to drop back down. So I think for for a lot of guitarists that function that you're talking about, it will be really appealing in that in that pedal. What was it? The TC TC Electronics Mini TC Spark TC Electronics
0: Spark Mini Booster. I'm just looking oh, at it Booster. now online on <laughs> <Yeah>. a retailer, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's thirty nine ninety nine at the moment. Wow. R I P wow. seventy five quid, and I think wow. I paid thirty nine quid for it originally. Well, I yeah. got it years ago. And yeah, it's, it's super. And that's, I mean, my, like, my signal chain at the moment, yeah. if I was to go and gig now, all I would have would be my guitar into that Spark Boost, into the amp. The amp itself has got two levels of, of master volume, mm-hmm. which I can switch between. And then in the effects loop of that, I've got a cheap... Uh t c electronic reverb just because the app doesn't have reverb and that's it and if I was to gig my clean sound and dirt sound would be through me adjusting the volume on my app, mm. I like that actually mm. i find I play differently when I'm playing in that kind of setup if when when I've had uh more complicated pedal boards before with different levels of of gain stages, different pedals for doing different sounds, you tend to look i i find I'd look to those settings. More to achieve some kind of sound, and then I don't really think about what I'm playing as much. I tend to kind of just listen to how does that pedal sound. Whereas if I'm using the guitar and the the, and the volume volume pot and how heavy I play, um, I feel like I feel like I play more articulately because I'm kind of I'm not just choosing notes or licks or things like that. I'm really trying to kind of. Um, I guess you know, just be more articulate in my playing, um, and be more careful with with note choices and things. So it's funny how how your choices in equipment can inform kind of back through the signal chain how you play. And I, I think a lot of people would feel restricted not having as as many options on the pedalboard, but actually I find it a little bit liberating, you know, because of that. Because I, I, I there's less thought about. I've got a solo coming up, I need to step off this pedal and quickly turn that one on. Um, the tap dancing and, effect. Yeah, I mean, and obviously you can get switches that do everything for you, and that's fine, but if you if you don't have the need for that many different sounds, which I don't, then I find the best way is to kind of just simplify things down. And actually, when I first started gigging as a guitarist, the only thing I'd have on the floor was just a, a battery-powered distortion pedal of some kind to give me... A, guitar solo lift and then everything would literally be digging in for a crunchier sound or backing off for a clean sound that's kind of where i started anyway it's, it's strange isn't it it was a concept i could never get my head around but i I, but
1: I have started getting my head around it now and whether i'd use it in a live situation at the moment i don't think i'm confident enough with it at, at this stage i mean certainly definitely playing with volume controls and stuff like that but in, in between songs but just going out with such a stripped down rig as yeah. that and i and i there's a there's a a guitarist called Tony, who who um very accomplished guitarist in 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 the area, who who goes and plays with a number of different kind of function bands and kind of soul bands and stuff. And I've watched him play, and it is a valve amp and his guitar and the volume control, and and that's that's basically it. And he dials in his lead tone um at at the right volume to cut through the mix and then he just plays with the tone controls and his volume control on the guitar for every song and it's incredible to watch him do it and it's just it's just a style thing but it works for him um but, you know, when, when I've gone with other guitarists to watch him, we're like, wow, bloody hell, that's such a confident thing to be able to do and not rely on pedals and, and the click of a switch to give you give you what you want. But I completely agree with you. It changes your approach approach to playing. Yeah. It makes you work with the tone that you've got. And if you need to be more articulate in your phrasing because the sound is as it is and so mm. you need to compensate for that um, or if it just you know means you can um, sustain notes in a different way, that's a big thing that happens when you re- rely less on, you know, compressor pedals or boost pedals or drive pedals and you just utilize the available sustain that's there which may be a lot or it may be not quite as much as you'd want but it changes your your, your approach to to playing and, and and how you bend stuff i think it's a really i think it's a really cool thing to do but yeah um, yeah and it, also it, it knowing that
0: requires practice it does but there's a this there's, there's this thing that happens as well where like you know if you know you've always got another pedal to stand on and you've always got that extra you know you've always got somewhere to go you know i can well i can just stand on this other pedal and you know, if i'm going to be even louder or bigger or you know dirtier sounding or whatever but if you're just going into your amp and i know that like you know i'm on nine on my volume on the guitar and i've only got that one little kind of click up to go yeah. it's kind of like it just make you kind of think more about You know, less is more, which is quite an important thing. All my favourite guitarists are people who, when you listen to them play, you just know they've got more up their sleeve all the time. You know, John Mayer is a perfect example of that. You know, you listen to all his best guitar solos and you just think, the thing I've always loved about his playing is that element of self-restraint that you know he's Mm -hmm. kind of exercising, Mm -hmm. especially in his recordings. Um, Yeah. Uh, that that's always been really um a key thing for me, listening to other players. And Joe Bonamas is a great example of that because of the way he chooses to play now mm. through you know a rig that is almost entirely controlled through the volume and tone pots on his guitar. Everything yes. is set to ten or eleven yeah. or twelve. Or eleven. <laughs> Possibly even twelve if he's old, <laughs> he's playing through old fenders. I think they went up to twelve. I think they all tweaked yeah. Um yeah. but if, yeah, um, he, he's kind of got that thing again of, you know, if, if, I'm, if I know I'm building up to a really big, loud section at the end of a song and I'm playing a long solo in a blues, you know, you don't want to roll everything up to 10 and then not have anywhere to go. You have to really think about how you manipulate your guitar rather than go, well, I'm just going to step on that fuzz pedal when yeah. it gets to the big section. I'm going to go yeah. crazy now and I can go crazy now because I've got a pedal to stand on later. Whereas if you haven't got that pedal to stand on, like well, no, I'm going to exercise some self-restraint so that I can, you know, I've got more to build up to later. So it it does change the way you play, definitely. So that self-restraint you're talking about is in the dynamics of how you attack
1: the string, where you're playing on the fretboard, right? Because again, yeah. building the dynamics, you know, you have got to be care- You've got to be careful around where you start. You don't want to come out. All guns blazing, and I've been mm. very guilty of this in the past, particularly if it's like a you know, an eight bar solo or something where you've got uh, you know. Uh- you haven't got a, a slash amount of time in terms mm-hmm. of three minutes to, to, to play a solo right uh, that's longer than the song itself slash <laughs> amount of time it's a, yeah, that's which actually learn, a but...
0: technical term isn't it in, in... i think so i
1: think so <laughs> uh, and as a huge fan of slash and who grew, grew up listening to his music yeah. a lot and trying to emulate his tone and his playing you know uh, i thought that was how much time you got as a guitarist to play a solo in a song and then you gig and you play all these different songs and you're no you don't you don't have that long so yeah. then the temptation is is to make it as explosive as possible as quickly as possible and then get out of it back into the song exactly. so that doesn't make for a great solo it's still even with a short amount of time requires dynamics and a, a, a build to a to yeah. a peak rather yeah. than than coming out you know impatiently trying to to to, to nail it in in, yeah. in in you know in a
0: short time frame. perfect example of that of that is a Hotel California by the Eagles yeah. you know that yeah. guitar solo is yeah it's it's almost like hey we're going to write a melody for the song which is sung mm. and let's write another mm. melody for the song which is played on the guitar later on it's not solo it's not a yeah. um you know a, a an expression of somebody's ability to play an instrument it's you know, we're going to write another melody for it, and it's going to, <laughs> mm. you know, um, it's going to have a crescendo, isn't it? It's going to build up to okay. something at the end. And actually from the other, from that same album, there's a song from the same album called um, Try To Love Again, which has just got one of my favourite guitar solos of all time. It's super simple, and it's only like four bars of a guitar solo, but it's just it's that exact same thought again. It's not for me to kind of, you know, shred over. It's I'm going to write another melody for the song, another bit of interest before we go back into the original melody. And that's, you know, those things are, it's a lost art almost, I think. I, I think it's,
1: I think it, it I'll, I'll agree. I haven't heard that song, right? So that's one yeah. that's I'm going to have to go and listen to afterwards. I'm seeing a lot more though, I would say. I, when you say it's a lost art, I'm seeing a lot more players coming through, particularly on YouTube and social media now, Mm. where melodic phrasing and note choice and being sympathetic to the song and hitting the chord tones uh, throughout the the, the solo is becoming, I mean, it's always been there, right? But now it gets spoken about and talked about. And and I think the likes of John Mayer and Derek Trucks and those types of players coming through who have almost kind of vocal quality to their Approach to guitar solos, in particular, are inspiring this new generation, Uh, and that's and that's not to say there's anything wrong because I'm I am you know absolutely wedded to you know minor pentatonic you know shenanigans you know at at full throttle (laughs) over 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 a rock song right, but now kind of really appreciating you know how to construct a good guitar solo I think is becoming more spoken about and more. Brought to the forefront, then shredding. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, and uh, that's a and, good and then, thing. Yeah, but I love. I do love a, shred, a good oh, shred. Yeah, we you all know, do. Everyone we does. Do. I mean, it's amazing. Do. But um, I, I agree. I think. I think there is more of that. Chris Buck, who you know, yes. you mentioned the other a great example yes. of a guitarist who can blaze, obviously, and, and really just it's just shred if he wants to. But is yes. a, a really good example of somebody who knows how to make good choices in what he plays. So sorry to interrupt this super interesting conversation. However, if you've made it this far, you should probably subscribe to the Guitar Spouts podcast. You can do that in your favorite podcast app. Go and do that now and then come back to the show. Let's get back to it. Going back to what we were talking about, about cheap pedals. Oh, for me, it's not just about cheap pedals, it's about having, uh, I don't want to overwhelm myself with choices for, that, that distract me from, just enjoying playing, and I like listening to guitarists like Chris Book, who is clearly not distracted from just making good music.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a discipline, and um, I think that yeah. I think that also comes by having a really good facility around the guitar, so that you are able to make good note choices and not agonise about you know the song. And, and just play in a relaxed way I think mm-hmm. I think it comes with the confidence of knowing the guitar better and knowing your theory a bit better where you can then feel confident in your own abilities and not try to mask it or hide it or compensate probably is the better word with too much effects or or too much kind of wizardry in, in terms of pedals and just be confident enough to um, let your playing speak for itself and I think guitarists find that out a lot later than they probably should mm-hmm. um be, and, and because because we're all insecure to some extent about what we can do and what we can't do on the guitar and there's a natural uh, i think part of the whole gear acquisition syndrome is not just because it's nice and shiny and it's a new toy it's this yeah it's this, con- it's this constant quest for the right tone and with that comes the the kind of constant uh belief that once you found the right tone it will make up for all of the things that you feel inadequate around the guitar yeah. with. And, yeah. and and
0: actually practice, practice will do that. And, and better yeah. knowledge uh, I, theory I, will do that. I agree. I absolutely agree. And I think there's also a choice to make, isn't there? Sometimes is, am I going to be eternally dissatisfied with what sounds I have available to me? Or yeah. am I going to make a choice to say that this is my setup that I'm happy with. These are the choices that I have. And I'm going to use those choices for everything that I have to, you know, I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a Pink Floyd covers band, that yeah. ethos isn't going to work. You're going to need a rig of some kind that gives you a plethora of choices to cover things that you need to but If you're just in a general pub covers band, like we yeah. played in for a long time, yeah. then you, I, th- I think you should make a choice to to kind of come down on a sound that you like and use that, for whatever songs you choose to do and be comfortable with it, I think I think that's a good thing to do. I think it's a difficult decision to make, but I think it's like I said, it's I think it's quite liberating to simplify your your rig, simplify your sound, and concentrate more on the experience of playing rather than trying to worry too much about how you think you sound and whether or not you meet the expectation in your mind. I think, I think that's that's something that it's taken me a long time to get to. That's where I am now. I don't think I'll I've ever have a rig more complicated than I've got now, which is just a boost pedal into an amp and a reverb. And the boost pedal is only ever going to give me a gain boost now. It's not going to be a volume boost. It's just mm. going to push mm. a little bit harder into the front end. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel. But... Other pedals I've had in the past that I thought were fantastic. I think a Boss Blues Driver is one that I've had previously. I don't have one now, but one that I would always have again if I needed just a general gain pedal. I think that is one of the best. And again, super, super affordable, right? About 70 quid for a Boss Blues Driver? 70
1: quid, yeah. I've got one of those. I gigged it a lot, and... I've gigged it in different positions. I am a big fan of, of gain staging with distortion pedals, and um, I need I need to watch that really based on the conversation we've just had around you know overcomplicating a rig and things. But generally, at, at any given point, I'll have a a kind of always on uh, kind of slight boost to the to the main clean signal. Then I'll have a a, a more crunchy pedal which um, will kind of gain layer on top, hmm. and then I'll have a lead. Uh, distortion uh overdrive pedal as well. Um and and I'll use varying combinations of the three of those. Um and the blues driver was one that I that I had on on my first proper pedal board that I built. Um because, you know, I'd heard that John Mayer had used one um for a period of time. Mm. Um I think, uh, and, and, and it's just, it just, it's just known as a good pedal. Right. And it's, and it's yeah. not too expensive. It's 70 quid. You can get a lot cheaper pedals than that. But, um, I actually, in fact, um, I was lucky enough, my wife bought it for me, I think for my birthday. And, uh, I, I used it as that in that last position of the kind of game stage for quite a long time, which was as the main lead tone, yeah. almost with something else driving it. And it's a really good sound. It can get very uh kind of overdriven and and give you that sustaining lead sound that you mm. want but I, th- I found it wasn't a uh a particularly natural um drive sound from the amp it it's got its own very much its own colour to it yeah. it's not a, it's not a transparent drive sound mm. in it when you when you really ramp up the gain. Um, But that's fine if if you're after that particular type of quite saturated, um, quite modern sounding uh, high gain. It's not a metal pedal, but it can go
0: relatively... There's a lot of gain in it, isn't
1: it? There is a lot of gain, particularly if you drive it a little bit with a a kind of boost pedal in in front of it. Mm -hmm. But the best results I had with the Blues driver was actually almost uh, as that in that first gain stage position where it just adds a little bit of clean and crunch and boost to your already clean signal and use that as the almost on pedal mm. with with fender amps it works mm. really nicely because um, you're using almost like a volume boost and um, with a little bit of the gain dialed in. So mm-hmm. you don't get that um, unnatural colored drive sound. You just get it pushing and slightly yeah. coloring the Fender amp. And it a creates little a, really, it. Yeah, yeah. a little bit of hair on it. And it works really nicely with a single coil guitar and a, and a Fender style amp in that, in that kind yeah. of clean, slightly Imagine-
0: driven... I imagine that's one of those pedals that a lot of players will use as like an always on kind of thing, as yeah. the clean sound or the the kind of bass sound is, you know, their amp, their guitar, and that pedal on all the time with just a little bit yep. of something added on. You yeah. know, that's that's and actually that's something I've never done. As a, I've never really had one of those always on pedals kind of thing, because so I always feel like, <laughs> well, if it's always on, what's it doing? Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why can't I turn it off and on and feel the benefit? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, from time to yeah. time. I've never. I've, so my philosophy about
1: the uh, my philosophy about the always on pedal was was the same. I, I guess in the beginning, which is, um, does that mean I don't like the clean sound of my amp? Right. And yeah. So then, what have I got the wrong amp? Yeah. Um, but it's not. I think it's. Uh, I've kind of got my head around it a little bit in terms of as an always on pedal. It should be a really subtle noticeable but subtle effect on what it does and this is where uh the the kind of next category of pedal i think fits really nicely which is the kind of um the, the the clon uh centaur type clones yeah uh so i know i know a lot of people use the clon in in a very gritty dirty a, you know, drive sense because it's great for that, and it's got yeah. a lot of gain in it. But I, I love it as that. Just after the kind of clean channel, uh, I don't have a, a real one. Obviously, they're like two, two grand plus. But um, yes. I've got a number of different... money. Oh, it's crazy. The, the original guy who made it was just he's he's almost embarrassed and offended by the hype that's existed around this pedal. He just thinks it's <laughs> ridiculous. It's just like you know, come on, it's a guitar pedal. I'm sure he's benefited from it, but um, you know, even he thinks it's stupid that people spend this money on yeah. its pedal that he made, but it's inspired a whole range of different clones of them. And I think that works really nice as mm. that kind of almost on bit. You retain the clean, innate sound of your amp, which hopefully you like anyway, but it just gives it a little bit more of a push mm. um, so that when you dig in, it just almost starts to break up. And, and that's that's a kind of nice, nice thing to then layer different... Yeah drive pedals on top of already
0: i had a um i think uh i think it was an electroharmonic soul food which i think was like a um i think that was like a clon type thing yeah or meant to be a clon type sound is that what you've got have you had that
1: i I just turned around and looked at my board to see if it was still on there and it is it goes in and out off, off, off the board i'm a big fan of the pedal yeah um uh i'm not sure it's the best clon clone you've got to be careful i say that out there um it definitely was supposed to be based on one of those a lot of people think it is a a good clon clone i think it's a i think it's really good as an always on pedal to just boost that front part of of Mm. of your signal a little bit it it gives this here's what i like about it Uh, i like the name I think Soul Food's a cool name for a pedal. Uh, soul food or soul food. Sorry. No, Soul, soul food. food. Soul yeah, Food. Soul cool. Food. I think it's a cool name. I love the price point. Yeah. I think I, I when I bought it, it was 59 quid or something. Yeah. Really, really affordable.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I think it's not it's not built like a tank, I don't think. So mm-hmm. so that's something I don't like about it. It does still feel a little bit uh It's got a full metal casing and everything, but you know it doesn't. I I I think it wouldn't stand too much uh, abuse. It's not Um, a very
0: refined design, is it? No, you know it's Electro harmonics classic kind of. Yeah like you say that's that little metal case that's just been screen printed and that's it kind of thing
1: it doesn't exude quality in terms of the the feel of the pedal Mm. itself but the sound of it is great it does something really nice to the kind of touch sensitivity and dynamics that you get from the guitar so having it on it is and I think this is part of the way in which EQs so Mm. the one thing that I don't like about it which is why I kind of swapped it out and, and interchange it with the blues driver and things is it does cut the low end of your sound so you can have a really nice rounded chimey single uh, uh Coil sound on your on your Fender style amp, and mm-hmm. then as soon as you engage the Soul Food, you get this wonderful kind of almost increased sensitivity to your touch, and these additional, ha- mm-hmm. very subtle harmonics that just make it, you know, sparkle even more. Yeah. But you do lose; it does cut the low end, which I, mm-hmm. which it may be fine in a live setting anyway, because you don't want too much low end muddying your sound. But for home use and and things like that, sometimes it can be a bit off putting. It can make you. Get guitar sound a little bit thinner Mm -hmm. than it actually is or your amp sound a bit thinner than it is but it's a really great pedal and um i definitely say for people to try it out it's it's lovely for doing kind of finger picked work on an electric and stuff it just brings out the dynamics of the guitar
0: really nicely yeah i think they're great i enjoyed mine but invariably i've always i've always been the kind of person who's had a very like a one-in-one-out policy with my equipment yeah. kind of yeah. thing you know I, i've never kind of bought pedals and then if i've wanted to replace one replaced it and stuck it in a drawer i've always been well if i'm not it's not on my board anymore it's going, it's going to exist on ebay instead for a wow. week you know um so, so I don't, I don't have it anymore. But I, I, did enjoy that. I liked that actually. In combination with back when I was actually having more drives on my board, with a with a pedal you recommended to me, which Ooh. was this. <laughs> I know which one you. You know say. which one I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. it was a buyang. Yeah, yeah, is it a Biang OD eight or something like that? I can't remember the exact model that I should know, but it was one of these kind of. I think it was on Amazon actually or eBay, yeah. and and it was yeah. uh, fairly cheap, thirty quid or so meant to be like a tube screamer clone yeah. kind of thing yeah. same controls but it came with different op amp chips that you could swap out different chips i never did yeah. that i just had it set to kind of the classic 8 or 8 setting yeah. And that was a killer pedal. It, uh, and funnily is. enough, I think a lot of people who would have a Tube Screamer and a Klon would have the Klon as a clean boost and the Tube Screamer as like a solo drive. For me, yeah. I love them as the opposite. When I had yeah. the Soul Food and the and that Bayang thing, I love that Bayang as like a, a, a really loud uh, volume yeah. boost because it yeah. would cut, because it like a Tube Screamer. You know, it would give you a mid boost and it would roll off the low end. So it would... You was know, really cut and I really like the soul food as with a lot of It There's like this really thick interesting kind of, you know, um almost like a early nineties, late eighties Clapton lead sound you know you remember journeyman you know things like that i really loved that kind of almost woman tone you know thing i thought the soul food was good for that so uh, yeah on on a higher
1: gain setting you use the the soul food to get yeah definitely interesting so yeah the pedal you're talking about you remembered it perfectly it is and i still have one it's not on the board at the moment but i've recommended this to a few people uh pro guitarists who are gigging every day yeah um you know covid 19 aside and um they love it they've gone i cannot believe this pedal it's so good yeah. not just not again not just because of the price of it which i think when i bought it was it 30 to 40 quid it was, i think wasn't more
0: than that i i don't remember paying more than 30 30 or 40 yeah. quid for it and uh, it was um, in a, it was actually in a really well made as well it was in a yeah. nice solid care simple design um you know, it, it was it was a great, great pedal. The first time I tried it was in a, a, a Roadrunner rehearsal. And it was, I just remember thinking, this is fantastic. This is really, really just articulate sounding pedal. Yes. You know, a lot of detail, yeah. you know, a good sound by itself. I'd actually yeah. never owned a Tube Screamer at that point, but a bona fide right. one. So I didn't have anything to kind of compare it to. And actually, that was probably to its benefit. At the time, but yeah, that's that was a great pedal. Cheap pedal
1: can I as well. can I um, can I add some con- controversy to this? Go on. I I I'm not sure. I get the tube screamer. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, yeah. I mean, look, I get the tube screamer, but I think for most, for a lot of guitarists, obviously this is setup dependent. But I okay, so let me let me let me phrase it in a different way. I couldn't get the tube screamer to do what I wanted it to mm-hmm. in the way that I thought it would. Right, and and this this will show my naivety, and I think uh, plenty of people will will write to me and tell me I'm I'm an idiot and I didn't do it the right way. But <clears throat> I was under the misapprehension that I, if I plugged a tube screamer into a Fender-style clean amp with single coils, I would get instant Stevie Ray tone. Yeah, right? of course I wasn't that naive, but you know that, <laughs> I, I at least get close to it, right? Yeah, and I I don't think the tube uh, the tube screamer the more i've played with it and i bought an expensive 808 one reissued yeah. Yeah. um and thought right now this is it this is going to get me my 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 stevie ray type tone that i want it's a good pedal don't get me wrong it sounds great mm. but i think the real virtues of the tube screamer is when it over when it when it pushes and over the edge an already loud you know amp that's mm. close to its close to its headroom boundaries already and you use the tube, you kick in the tube screamer then Mm -hmm. and it absolutely then adds that kind of mid hump that you need from a tube screamer, that classic Mm -hmm. sound. It adds that extra sustain. It adds that raunchiness. So I think it's great if you can, if you've got an amp that you can drive at that volume and then use the tube screamer to push it in that way. Yeah. If you, um, from my experience, if you just, if you just take a clean channel signal on a fender yeah. amp and the fender amps can go pretty loud, the valve ones before they start to, to break up. Yeah. So, you know, if you try and use it at what would be considered a reasonable practicing, certainly home use volume, but even for a lot of small size pubs and you crank that amp and try and then push it with a tube screamer, you're gonna be way too loud yeah. to get that sound. And and I don't think it works as as ni- anywhere near as nicely as some of the other pedals that I've got to give me that sound mm. when it's when it's trying to push a very clean clean amp already it just it it doesn't doesn't deliver on the promise at at, at lower volumes
0: and i and i don't disagree i think it's very much one of those kind of um in context sounds you know it's it it works in certain situations um and you don't always listen to it with that situation in mind And also, it's it's as much as an EQ pedal as it is a drive pedal. Mm. It really is a tone shaping thing. That's why it's so popular with a lot of people. Because you know, why is the tube screamer so popular? Popular as a guitarist tool for kind of you know solos and things. Because it changes your guitar sound in a way that not only gives it more gain, which you want for soloing, but it it is something that if you were to ask a sound engineer, how would you make something? pop out in a mix, you know, you would say, well, okay, as a sound engineer, I'd want to increase the gain in the frequencies that are more perceptive by the human ear, which is the mid-frequency. It's exactly what a tube screamer does, you know. So that's that's why one of the reasons they're so popular, because, well, every guitarist wants to be, you know, the center of the universe when it's time for the guitar solo, and that's what a tube screamer does. Um, I completely agree. It is very much kind of a context machine. It's a context on, machine. Know, that's it's it. not a sound often by itself, is it? It's it's, no. it's it's in and and again, it does so much in the mid range. That's why it sounds so great with a Fender amp that tends to have mm. you know mm. a scooped mid range by yeah. you know generally generally anyway. If you had that yeah. going into a Marshall, you know, like a Plexi style thing, where you know, then you'd just it would shave your head whilst you're playing. It would be ridiculous. Exactly. You know. So yeah, I I agree. Actually, not a huge tube screamer fan myself, but that buying... One was was a great buy well
1: that's actually. what i'm saying i got more i got more joy out of the thirty yeah. forty quid buying one It has the same chipset um as the uh the the tube screamer mm. um which a lot of the tube screamer clones have anyway it's 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 um mm. it's a chipset that's what you know found in a lot of different tube screamer style pedals but the buying has it um I interchange the, the the chips that it comes with. It comes with three different chips, all of which you know are supposed to put different tonal qualities. They're very subtle, so I just stuck mm. with the original one. But I just I just I just found it it worked quite nicely. Um, the only thing I would say about the buying pedal is the the thing that beli- you know betrays it as a as a slightly cheap pedal is it at the higher gains it does get quite noisy and adds a lot of noise to the to the to the overall mm. signal. I think, mm. um, but. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic pedal, and I and I'm, I'm I feel slightly uh, dirty in saying that it gave me more more pleasure to play that pedal than it did a really expensive ts 808 in my rig. And yeah. um, cheaper, dirtier things often have that effect. <laughs> <shouldn't it? laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I can recommend another pedal though that that I think was worth the money, a bit more expensive, and for anyone for that's looking for that. Kind of Texas-y, blues style, Stevie Ray type, John Mayer kind of kind of dirtier sound um, that I thought the TS808 was going to give me, but it but mm. didn't quite. Um, is uh, it's a pedal by a company called Love Pedal. Okay, and, yeah, uh, and it's uh, it's called the Super Six, um, and I think uh, the one that I've got is is actually it, it's badged as having this Stevie mod to it right um so that's a, that's a long title for a pedal isn't it the, the love pedal super six stevie mod right, um, yeah. and and what it tries to do as a pedal is capture i think that sound of a very uh, driven uh fender amp at the point of breakup with like a type of tube screamer pushing it, right, so it's, okay. it's, it's, it's it's not it's not an emulation pedal. It's just that's how they EQ'd it to try and get, and it does it. it absolutely does it. You can take a very clean platform, put mm. this in as the only thing, and you get this wonderful overdrive sound that's got plenty of dynamics and just really natural sounding oh it sounds great yeah. it sounds really really good and i've used it live a couple of times and it's just an absolute pleasure it really works at all different volumes in a, in a much more predictable way than than the tube screamer did so it's not it's not a, a, a an inexpensive pedal it's mm. it's not boutique prices but i think it was a couple of hundred quid but it was well worth it yeah uh, and, and and it did what i thought the tube screamer would do for me yeah
0: I'll tell you what else I like about the cheaper pedals is they all just tend to have a normal foot switch. Hmm. (laughs) uh, It (laughs) sounds stupid, but the other thing I've never liked about a Tube Screamer, and I've never had a Tube Screamer, but I did recently on an Ibanez SD9, which was... The same case, right? So that was more like an 80s-style kind of distortion, which is still quite nice, but um, it had that classic Ibanez pedal, which was like, I don't know how to describe it, really. Like a flat kind of steel plate that kind of pivots in. And, you know... I, I, almost every time I gigged it and I had to stand on that for a solo, it would be three or four presses or stamps. I, remember. It. I mean, I'd look like Michael Flatley probably <laughs> trying to, you know, and <laughs> that's one of the main reasons I got rid of it. And I just, I just like pedals that just have a nice, normal, big old click silver switch. click switch, yeah. you know, can't miss yeah. that. Yeah. My stupid feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stupid. Simple things like that, you know, I like I like simple things. I like things that get out, get out of your way when you're trying to play. Mm. You know, mm. um, and don't make you feeling like you're relying on something to work. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't play. Well, that, that shouldn't be the case. You know, spent too long, you know, mastering an instrument and, and learning how to play something. I shouldn't have to let a small box with a switch on it to you know be the arbiter of whether I'm going to you know enjoy playing tonight or not. You know, yeah. so I get out you know, to get something that gets in the way of that seems counterintuitive to me. Mm-hmm. But that's taken a while to get to,
1: you know. Yeah, it does. Again, it's that confidence to just be brave enough to, to get a, a good amp that you're happy with the sound of a guitar yeah. that plays really nicely that you're happy with, and and just keep it light on the effects and utilize the the, the volume, your tone controls, and the EQ that's on the amp to get the sound yeah. that you want, and then just be able to hit a pedal if you need a bit of yeah a little bit of, of extra lift at that. Exactly. Times.
0: Certain things are essential. I think. I think having enough headroom to play at a volume yeah. that's that's acceptable for your gig. You know, you don't want to be kind of like, well, I just can't get this amp loud enough. You should, I think reverb's essential, especially if you're the only guitarist in a band because you want to feel, you know, a bit of space and a bit of ambience when you're playing. And I think having something that gives you enough gain staging capability so that you can roll your volume all down and still get a loud enough clean sound without reducing your volume and, you know, and get a good lead sound and then I you know, I, I would say if you're if you're a guitarist who is you know has got a board full of pedals, um, next time you go and doing gig, challenge yourself to just take three pedals along or one and just see if you can get through the gig manipulating your guitar a different way. Yeah. I think I think like you know, you and anybody else who, who would challenge themselves to do that, you'd probably find it more enjoyable than you think it would be a challenge. Definitely. I think you're right.
1: I think you're right. Um, it's less to worry about. It's less to try and agonize around about, oh, have I dialed in this pedal at this in this way that I had at the yeah, last gig? And is it, exactly is, it, is it, yeah, and then you, yeah, that's fine if it's one pedal, but when you've got mm. like seven, eight, nine different pedals in front of you, all, you know, um, mm. set up in a way that they're interacting with each other, with each other and gain staging off of each other and all of that, it mm. it can really get in the way of the playing. And not, not to mention the way it can actually sap your tone. You know, all of yeah. that is adding, adding, Uh, you know, into the resistance of the signal chain. And um, you'd be surprised at how much you can lose, even if you use the most expensive patch cables and and leads or or wireless guitar kit, it's still... Uh, everything. I think that's good discipline. For every pedal that you're adding into your signal chain that you think is going to give you a better sound, also factor in the fact that it is an an yeah. extra uh, bit that is taking away from the innate sound of your guitar and amp uh, because of the the way in which it adds that that kind of um, uh, signal uh, kind of interference
0: into the into the overall. Exactly. Chain. Everything's yeah. going to take something away as well yeah. as add yeah. to it. You know. Yeah keep that yeah. in mind anyway good, good stuff check, mate more, more pedals and stuff next week more guitar uh,
1: stuff next absolutely. week absolutely uh, yeah really good to catch up with you today mate hopefully we've we've discussed a few pedals in a bit more detail but I've still got plenty more that I want to uh, as, as I know you have cast my review on what I, what I like and, and what I don't like
0: yeah absolutely me too mate it's been great as always good to catch up have a cracking week and you and, and I'll and speak you to know. you later All the best, buddy. Take care, buddy. Take care, Matt. Hmm. Another interesting conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Come back for more next week. To make sure you don't miss it, subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app so you never miss a show. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guitar smarts. Like us on Instagram at guitar underscore smarts. Anyway, have a cracking week. Speak soon.